This episode of Gruntwork brought to you by the all-new Benford fully insulated water-resistant 1200-volt camping ensemble. You know, I tried out for the camping ensemble in high school, but my s'mores caught on fire during the audition, so I didn't make the cut. Welcome to a whole new episode of Gruntwork, where we watch... Home improvement every week, and then talk about it. I'm your co-host, Landon Solano, here with... Truman Caps, the other co-host, as <laughs> always. Uh, yeah, except that one time you weren't here. Yeah, uh, yes. And I just did the, your voice the entire episode, and no one knew any difference. That's the only impression that you can uh, do successfully is me. Likewise, the only impression that I can do is me, uh, which means you are a better impressionist than I am, because you have one. <laughs> Uh, very true, but I don't have the, the crazy accents that you displayed in our last episode. They're not crazy accents. I'm crazy for thinking those are accents <laughs> when they're really just me doing dumb voices. I was trying to be diplomatic about it, but... Yeah, it's not it's not enough to, to just do a dumb voice. I have to pretend that an entire country or ethnic group has <laughs> that dumb voice to try and lend it some air of legitimacy. Oh my god. Landon? Yeah? Do you like camping? How do you feel about camping? Uh, you know, I don't know that I've been camping in forever, but I'll tell you, as an adult, um, <laughs> and as my anxiety was throughout this whole episode, I'm not a fan, uh, purely because of my uh, holy, to-the-bone fear of bears. Oh, yes, yes, your well-documented uh, ursine phobia. <laughs> yes. Uh, so you, there were no camping experiences as a child? You, you stayed well out of the woods? No, I did have one uh, that, <laughs> you know... Not to get too psychological with it, but... Well, we're two minutes in, man. Let's get psychological right. as hell. That's what people tune in for at the Carl. beginning. <laughs> I do have one the one association that still brings me memories of this one very pivotal time that I went camping. Uh, picture, if you will, a young uh, adolescent Landon learning the ways of the world, and I had my own little Jenny Sadarsky for, oh. for a weekend. Did she have her own little beret? <laughs> She, she, in my mind, I don't, I don't picture her with a beret, but I can't verify. Well, you can't one control what I'm picturing. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. Or anyone else. Um, but okay, so picture uh, an adolescent Landon Solano with his little uh, disc man. Oh, and yep. done. Uh, we're sitting around a campfire. We were with uh, family friends. Mm -hmm. uh, my parents took me camping with some family friends. The family friends brought their neighbors, um, and so one of the neighbors of my family friends was this girl. Mm -hmm can't remember her name for the life of me at this point. I uh, love him and leave him. That's the adolescent Landon Solano. <laughs> they were a dime a dozen. So many. Um, they call him the Wanderer. I wish this story plays out this way. Um, but no, it's not even really a story. It's just kind of a, a moment where I forever burned in my brain will picture sitting around the campfire and directly across the flame, I was kind of falling in love with this girl while I had my disc man on with my earphones playing Kiss from a Rose by oh. Seal. <laughs> oh, man, Landon, your stories are so good. And now I can't uh, hear that song without thinking of that moment, and I also can't smell a campfire without thinking of that moment. So maybe, so is that why you don't go camping that much? Is because the uh, the smell of the smoke? <laughs> no, 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 it's the bears. It's the bears. It's 100% it's the bears. It has nothing to do with love. <laughs> but do bears have an impact on my fear of love does the bear love in the woods <laughs> if a bear loves in the woods and no one's there to witness it did the bear ever love at all 
if the well, I'm well not to get too ribald with it, but I mean, if there's another bear there for the loving, then that bear witnesses it. If it's just a bear. Uh, relaxing in a gentleman's way in the woods, then maybe <laughs> it's a different matter than maybe no one does know. That's probably the last thing you want to think about is a bear doing that. Uh, <laughs> I, my, I did not camp yeah. growing up. That was not a thing I did. My, my one, ca- like I've camped uh, in the past couple years, I've gone camping with my friends, but that's not really relevant to the story. The yes. first camping trip I went on was when I was in college. I went camping with my uh, then girlfriend, who was not my girlfriend, about three weeks after this camping mm, trip. Okay. As I'm sure many, many camping stories end up this way. You know, Mitch Hedberg, God rest his soul, had a whole bit about That's how right. you don't want to get into a fight with your girlfriend when you're camping because you can't leave and slam the door. You have to just zip up the tent and yeah. it doesn't sound nearly as decisive. <laughs> and this this is true. I actually tested this out firsthand. And you, yeah. Uh, no, but I, so I went camping with my girlfriend and a couple other people. And uh, that weekend was just, it was already, that relationship was already built on a, a foundation that was not structurally sound. And then being in in the woods in eastern Oregon, or by a river in eastern Oregon with lots of mosquitoes mm. and a flimsy tent, and me not being really good at any of the things that camping requires you to be good well, at. Truman Caps isn't an outdoorsy person. I, you know, I'm not. If camping, if, if camping meant... Oh, we'll go to a nice wine bar and then have like a, a dinner at a nice Italian restaurant and then see an independent film and then go to a hotel. I would love camping. I would try to camp all the time. Uh, it turns out camping requires you to be away from a lot of the things I like, like functional yes. toilets and, uh, and indoor spaces. Mm. And so I don't, uh, yeah, so it wasn't, it wasn't good. It put all my weaknesses on display and we fought a lot in front of our friends. Mm. And so we... It's never a good position to be in. I I don't know, man. I, I kind of ruined a weekend for like six people and that's pretty impressive. I mean, it's not a thing you should necessarily brag about. But yeah, I but re- you know what? I appreciate that you're manning up to it. Uh, the reason, Landon, yeah. that I bring up camping... Yes. I'm sure you didn't pick up on this, but the episode of Home Improvement that we watched earlier it today, was. it was about camping. It was about camping. Not only that, this episode, I had an experience that I think you've had multiple times. Mm-hmm. Pretty early on, I realized, oh God, this is an episode I saw in the 90s, oh. and I remember most of it. Like, wow. This is an episode that I sat down after school and watched it the whole way through, and I remember all these bits from it. I remember distinct lines and exchanges, and yeah, I remembered a lot. I have a I have a new theory. What is your new theory? That you and I share a brain. I've had that theory for a while <laughs> because I remembered nothing of this episode, oh. which shocked me. I mean, I when when things were occurring, like when he gets dragged away uh, at the end, I do remember that shot. Um, I actually didn't remember that, so it was a little surprise. See, for me. we're like it, you are sharing the memories that I have. I mean, don't go too deep in the I'm, memories. I'm not gonna, yeah, let's not. No, there's things in there no one wants to see. I don't want to inherit your fear of bears. <laughs> yes, I love bears. I ride a bear to this podcast every day. Get out of my house. It's it's called Uber Pool. Ha cha cha. Half of me wants to give you props. The other half wants me to get out of my house. Yeah, yeah. Half of me wants to give you props. Half of me wants to call the cops. I'm doing rhymes. I'm doing puns. I'm I'm saucy today, Landon. I'm 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 ready to talk about home improvement. Oh, you've clearly brought a game that I don't have here. I you know it's it's a game of groans to be sure. Uh, folks at home, I hope you're enjoying this because I sure am. 
anyway, we, so this is so we share a brain. This is an episode that you hit, you did not remember. Or you remembered parts of. Yeah, as they were occurring, uh, parts came into my brain. But it actually uh, mirrors a Three's Company episode <laughs> that I remembered. That this episode of Home Improvement reminded me of uh, more of than the actual episode of Home Improvement. Oh my god, my brain just went into a pretzel. That sentence really fucked me up. Uh, yeah, I kind of I kind of <laughs> lost track too. You never catch us at our best on this show. <laughs> Yeah, on the street, man, I'm with you. Oh, yeah, no, we're so we're so successful I'm in the our best day-to-day conversationalist. Lives. Yeah. You have no idea. Okay, so before we get into the synopsis, I do have one thing I want to mention uh, that has really nothing to do with the episode, but it has to do with home improvement and my experience doing this podcast. Tell me, tell me. I love these stories. Um, so it's been home improvement, obviously, has been infused in our lives over the last uh, what, 18 weeks now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and before that, even just coming up with the idea and talking sure. about it. Um, it's infused in really all of our lives, whether yeah. we know it or not. <laughs> Every time you do a two-fingered salute from your forehead, yes, you're doing home which improvement. Which I do all the time. Yeah. Um, I've been dreaming of home improvement and Tim Allen and uh, Patricia Richardson. Like, they've been infusing themselves into my dreams lately. And I had a dream, which I realized no one gives a shit whenever someone shares a dream. But this it, one felt particularly... Le- kind of interesting this is this is a captive audience what are they gonna they're gonna pull out their earbuds and stop listening to us on the bus or while they're doing laundry <laughs> tell away what's your dream story well i so at this point i don't really remember the the entirety of the dream but there was a point at which tim and tim allen and i were sitting off to the side and this feels like so vivid to remember uh to happen in a dream but he was um going through something apparently he was single again uh he was like working up new stand-up material and he turned to me and asked me my opinion. He said, okay, uh, I'm single again. Um, what What's funnier? He goes, uh, I'm single, so I've been looking to buy a new TV. Okay, that was his first option. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah semi-okay I, premise, I suppose. Is it? I mean, I don't, I'm whatever, sure I follow, follow, whatever follows the setup to that could be funny. I, yeah, okay, so it could be funny if there was hey, a different punchline. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> What was well, the other so thing this is the, this is the impressive one. So that was his first option. The second one, he's like, okay, so I'm single, and I've been looking to buy a big suck your eyes out of your head, super sized, high definition, eighty inch TV. That was his other option. Well, I like the the other one. Sounds a lot more like something that Tim Allen would say. <laughs> I'm still not. I still don't really see the corollary between I'm single, I'm buying a TV. Like I get like there's no more wife around telling me not to. It just where's the joke in it? Like, this is less a stand-up routine and more just, I'm telling you some stuff that's happening. It's, <laughs> you it's know what? Stand-up updates. Stand-update comedy. <laughs> you know, it's it's a lot easier to do it when we're pulling apart actual writers, but now we're pulling apart my actual psyche, and I feel the sting a little bit. We pull apart your psyche a lot. Listen, I'm not criticizing... <laughs> I'm not criticizing your dream. I like the second one. The second one, the characterization on the whole suck your eyes out of your head 80-inch TV, that yeah. sounds like Tim Allen. So your subconscious yeah. has clearly been paying attention to the show. <laughs> your subconscious could write a spec script for Home Improvement and maybe get, get staffed on a show. Yeah, yeah you got to start writing these jokes down. I, I, well, we're recording them. I mean, that's, oh, that's right. the next best thing. I mean, whoever, who, you know, if you actually want to go back and listen to this... Uh, <laughs> I think well, so you didn't give you don't remember if you gave many advice. I mean, where were you guys um, sitting? Were you backstage at Tool Time? I don't, were you, you know, fishing? I, I I can't say with all authenticity what it was at this point. But when I think back on it, it was kind of on the like matte painting on the side of Tool Time. Oh, somewhere wow. around there, you got lost in the matte painting together. Yeah. You like walk towards it and you cross fade into it. <laughs> it's like the end of being there. You walk across the pond. 
You're um, trapped in it forever like Jack Nicholson at the end of The Shining. Just one long <laughs> push in and we finally find you. Uh, these would all be better ends to my dream than probably just waking up appropriately. This is why you should have me write your dreams. <laughs> we'll talk after the show. Yeah. Um, so that aside, let's let's uh, talk. Give us a little synopsis of what uh, happened on this episode. Well, folks, it's Valentine's Day at the uh, Taylor household. And all over the world. And all over the world. It's everywhere. <laughs> the Taylor household doesn't have its own calendar. February 14th doesn't change yeah. per state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe Michigan observes it on a different day. You know, uh, Some states yeah. don't have daylight savings That's time. Yeah, it could true. be the same. All right. Uh, Brad is doing a Valentine for Jenny Sadarsky, mm-hmm. who, uh, well, I, I'm getting ahead of myself already. He's doing a Valentine for Jenny Sadarsky. He uh, has a G.I. Joe Valentine with a flamethrower on it that he thinks is just a crackerjack way to win this girl's heart, although he already has won her heart. Obviously, she's crazy about him. Can't you see the way she looks at him? Uh, Tim goes to Jill and is talking about Valentine's Day and saying, gosh, wouldn't it be great if we could go to Stone Creek Lodge? Oh, it's so nice. It's so exclusive. Oh, guess what? I actually booked us reservations there three months ago. Surprise, we're going to go up to Stone Creek Lodge and have a romantic weekend. Uh, Jill is overjoyed that Tim has finally shown some basic competence at husbanding. Then we're backstage at Tool Time. Mr. Binford is back. Two episodes in a row, Mr. Binford. Uh, we are we are blessed with, with a double scoop of Binford. Uh, he is demoing a bunch of camping gear, the Binford fully insulated water-resistant 1,200-volt camping ensemble, because I guess you have electric camping gear, which... There's a lot of questions about electric devices in this episode, I have. A lot of questions about why are you camping if you're taking electricity with you. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So he's, he's on the show to show off all of this new Binford line of camping gear. Tim makes some mention of how he and his family like camping, which Mr. Binford on the air then says... Oh, well, Tim, you should go camping this weekend and take home movies and show them on the show next week. And Tim backstage tries to tell Mr. Binford, no, I can't do this. This is kind of a ridiculous thing for you to pull on me at the last second. It is Valentine's Day. Mr. Binford says, no, Tim, you have to do this. There is no other way. Tim breaks this news to Jill. She does not like it. They concoct a plan to very quickly go camping, get a bunch of videos of it, and then rush to the lodge and have their Valentine's Day weekend. Mm -hmm. That does not go according to plan. They go camping in the woods. Hijinks ensue. Wilson is there. They make some some hillbilly-style hot chocolate. (laughs) And uh, in the end, Tim learns that uh, rather than trying to go in a million different directions and please everybody, you should just pick one direction to go in and one person to please, because if you try and please too many people, you will go nowhere. And then... Tim gets dragged down a hill uh, by his car because he has tethered himself to it and left the parking brake off. That one will make sense in a second when we get around <laughs> to it. So that's the episode. Yes. And, and an episode that I remembered probably 80% of from wow. when I watched it as a child. That's crazy. Okay, so when they make the hot chocolate when they're yeah, camping. Right, right, right. Uh, Tim comes back. He and Jill have been fighting because Tim has lost the food. Ergo, lost the car with the food in it. Yes. Tim comes back and, and Jill and the boys are drinking hot chocolate. And Tim says, where'd you get hot chocolate? And Jill goes, oh, well, the boys had a candy bar, so I melted that down with some snow. And then he drinks it. He says, oh, it tastes like mint. And she says, yeah, I put toothpaste in it. <laughs> and that exchange has stuck with me for more, like, probably about 15 years. Wow. <laughs> it's just like, A, that's a really good idea, Jill. Melt down a candy bar. And then, like, you put toothpaste in it. That's a really bad idea, Jill. That's not edible. That will give you horrible gas and maybe make <laughs> you throw up. Uh, same with the uh, snow, unless you boil it correctly. Oh, really? You can't just eat snow? I, I honestly didn't know this. Oh, yeah, I'm, no. I'm, I'm I mean, not from a should, place where it snows. Yeah, you know, you should definitely uh, boil anything you're about to drink from nature before okay. you consume it. 
And you said you never went camping. Look at all this expertise. <laughs> what did you think of this episode, Landon? Um, how, how did you like it? It was a, it ended up being an enjoyable episode, but I was really not on board with the forced, uh, it, it honestly, the, the catalyst for it felt very, um, Three's Company-ish, which yeah. that show is one of my favorites, but I will be the first to admit every single episode of Three's Company can be solved if two people had a conversation yeah. within five minutes. Yeah. Um, and this episode, likewise, when B- Mr. Binford says, you know, oh, you're going camping, he's on tool time going, wouldn't the audience, he's like rowling the yeah. audience up going, wouldn't you like to see him go camping in this weekend and see, and like, no one's gonna, no, who gives a shit? No yeah. one is gonna care. This but, is not a camping show, it's yeah. a home improvement show. I mean, obviously Binford is just there to pimp his new, you know, camping gear. Yeah. Uh, and get that sweet camping dough, which I'm actually, now that I'm saying it aloud, I am more on board with your idea that it's all some sort of, uh, laundering scheme. I mean, right, <laughs> like these things don't see, like he, Mr. Binford comes out wearing an entire camping suit with like waders <laughs> yes. and, and like a hat and a vest and all this stuff, and it's all battery powered and insulated and self heating. And it's like, but waiters, you're gonna go in the water, <laughs> and, and like, and Tim even says in like, the oh, winter, yeah, in the winter, like, and Tim is even like, oh, you're, if you're, yeah, if it starts raining, you're in trouble. And he says, I'm like, oh, it's totally water resistant. And it's like, I don't trust that. Like, sure, it's water resistant, but if that water resistance fails while well, you're wading in a creek with, with a 1,200 volts on your back. I mean, that's just, that's just, like, you're putting an awful lot of faith in Binford, a company that thought, hey, our best spokesman is the accident-prone Tim Taylor who doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> little, little does anyone know, Binford also created the Cornballer <laughs> in the rest of the development. Cornballer. <laughs> so, so the Binford and, and the Bluth company have a, have a long-standing yes. relationship. Is Mr. Binford George Bluth's other brother who's not a twin? <laughs> yes. 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 Yet another crossover that we need to do, the Home Improvement Arrested Development crossover. Those are very different types of comedy. They would they would go together in a strange way. Or maybe a brilliant way. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Like toothpaste and hot chocolate. Sometimes <laughs> gross things are actually Listen, good. Listen, if you boil the hot chocolate, I mean, if you boil the toothpaste... Yeah, no, keep going with that. No, I'm interested I got to know what happens. Tell, tell me, Bill Nye, what happens when I boil the toothpaste? <laughs> uh, something probably explodes because you're uh, Tim Taylor. Uh, yeah, so let's dig into this a little bit. Um, <laughs> we start with this opening scene where uh, we learn that it's Valentine's Day, right? Mm-hmm. Brad is uh, working on his Valentine for Jenny Sadarsky. Um, and we learn that it's a, you know he's he's writing something on a G.I. Joe Valentine, which is a move I 100% pulled uh, back in high school. Yeah. High school? Not high school. Whoops. <laughs> Definitely not high school. Definitely not high school. No. Definitely not last year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought it was very sweet, Landon. <laughs> I hope you like the flamethrower. Yes. Um, no, back in elementary school, I totally grabbed the like the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle ones, the G.I. Joe ones, whatever I was into that year. And uh, probably why I didn't have an elementary school girlfriend. Well, hey, you know what? Lots of people didn't have elementary school girlfriends. Matthew McConaughey probably didn't have an elementary school girlfriend. All right, all probably. right, all right. Yeah, yeah, all right. That that's true, all right. <laughs> Uh, he, he probably, he probably was dating his teachers, let's be honest. He was, he's, uh, yeah, I, I, he, he has this G.I. Joe Valentine and he shows it to Jill and she's like, oh, a flamethrower, that's very romantic. And then he shows it to Tim and Tim is quite impressed and says, have you got, 
have you got any more? And he says, yeah, I got a bunch up in my room. Do you want one? And Tim goes, have you got one with an armored personnel carrier on it? He says, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Which is awesome because I had the armored personnel carrier. G.I. Joe uh, Fortress. Oh, you had the for- but not the Valentine. No, no, no. Time. Well, maybe I did. I don't know. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah a lot of love for armored personnel car- carriers in this uh, in this, in this this episode. That's <laughs> yeah. good. That's the best way. That's my favorite way to carry personnel is in the armored personnel carrier. you got to keep them protected. Exactly. Yeah. Don't take the unarmored personnel carrier. That's just a bus. And I ride buses yeah. a lot. And I, I tell you, man, I want to spare our troops that. <laughs> um, we, get, we get a really interesting bit of information here. Actually... I'm going to backtrack to last week's episode, too, which yeah. we didn't mention. We learn um, Randy's full name in last yes. week's episode that we didn't touch on, which was Randall William Taylor. RWT. RWT. But Randall is his full name. Yeah. As if we didn't, you know, what I, what, I don't know that Randy is short for anything else. Yeah, I, I couldn't think of anything. Unless... I know someone named Randall who goes by Luke. Because they just they just cannot stand <laughs> they cannot stand being called Randy. It's, you know there are a few names out there that like no one uses that name. There's always a short and different version of it. I think Randall is like the epitome of that. Yeah, but I think the the female version would probably be Winifred. Oh yeah, which is always Wendy? go by Winnie or Wendy. Yeah, yeah. And this takes us back to The Shining. Are you a Winnie or a Freddy? <laughs> I've never. Really heard of a girl called Freddie or Winnie, for that matter. Yeah. I've, Wendy is another thing. But. Yeah, Wendy. Um, but, okay, so that that was last week's episode of yeah. Randy's full name. Previously. Previously. Previous. <laughs> um, he gives Brad some crap about uh, the Valentine, like, you know, ooh, your girlfriend. And uh, Brad's retort is, you wouldn't get it, you're not old enough. And Randy goes, you're only 13 months older than me, when in reality... JTT is, I think, two months older than uh, Zachary Ty Bryan. That is acting. <laughs> That's acting that he pulls that off that we didn't even consider it until you saw that. That's really good, man. Yeah, but it's, you know, it gives us a little more of a timeline of, uh, you know, that establishes how much they're differentiated in age. Yeah. Uh, a year and a, so that they're t- not in the same grade unless Brad has failed a grade, which is possible. Yeah, or that Randy has skipped a grade, which because, is also possible. Yeah, because he's is, he is a precocious one. <laughs> what that says to me is that Tim and Jill were like, hey, yeah, two kids under the age of two. What could go wrong? Let's go for it. And then as we learn later in this episode, uh, Jill Jill throws a... Um, <laughs> Tim asks her, don't you trust me? And Jill's like, last time I trusted you, we had Mark. Uh, which leads me to believe Mark was a quote-unquote surprise. <laughs> Why did you say it in robot voice? <laughs> quote-unquote surprise. Unexpected pregnancy. <laughs> I could make a Terminator joke here, but I'm not going to. Uh, yeah, that was that was some interesting revelation. Like, this, if the if Mark's brothers really want to fuck with his head, just tell him that. Like, hey, Mark, you weren't planned. Existential crisis. None of this stuff about like like, like you're going to get traded in for yeah. another brother or anything like that. Well, just maybe Randy's putting that in his pocket for. Uh, I mean, because that's a, that's a big one to lay out. That's one you need to like either get massive revenge with or like. You need to get him off your back so that you can go commit a murder. Yeah. Uh, you know, just really, really throw him through a loop. The day before he leaves for college <laughs> in the last episode. The new rule on grunt work is when we do scare quotes, we use robot voices. That's what the quotation marks mean on this show. Before he goes off, he, he, he leans over and he whispers into Mark's ear just, You weren't planned. Your existence is an accident. And then, and then leaves. And that's why Mark becomes a goth. Ah, interesting. His existence is pain. Yes. Yes. Did you notice when uh, 
Brad was bringing over the Valentine to uh, to Jill. He had, he had like a little swagger to him. He was like pretty proud. He's like, yeah, yeah. I got this Valentine. Yeah, I got she you. didn't give it to Jay Starsky. No he, big deal. He's no longer self conscious about like he he will he doesn't like getting razzed by Randy about it. Yeah, Be, and that's just kind of their dynamic because Randy always gives him crap for this. Yeah. He gives everyone crap. Well, yeah, that's true. And if they're lucky, crap is all they get. <laughs> uh, uh, he's he's like he's like Jared Leto on the set of Suicide Squad. He's like sending them dead rats and condoms <laughs> and stuff. But Brad is pretty much he's not really self conscious about it with anyone yeah. else. Like he's talking to the whole family about it and, and seems okay with the thing. Yeah, he's really really kind of falling into that Casanova. Yeah, Casanova, Casanova. Yeah. Can we get that as a ringtone for the show? Just us <laughs> making that awful tone. I think that uh, should be every review for the show. It's just nah. <laughs> we did get a review this weekend. Someone at a party who had listened to a couple episodes and has been like, "Yeah, yeah, you guys are funny, and the stuff you talk about is interesting sometimes." But and then they kind of, I think someone else came up and started talking to them. <laughs> that, or that, that. Yeah, <laughs> and, and as they say on Game of Thrones, everything in a sentence before the word "but" is bullshit. So. <laughs> uh, so Tim comes in at this point during the uh, Valentine conversation yes. and reveals to Jill that he's gotten them reservations at this at this bed and breakfast. Uh, yeah, Stone Creek Lodge. Yeah, um, which I there was a fleeting moment of hope that uh, they were going to bring um, Sir Larry back to watch the kids to watch the kids for a whole weekend. That would be that that would be a made for TV movie <laughs> in the richness of that episode. <laughs> It's weird. It's weird to think that Sir Larry was a part of this season of the show. I know it, it feels so long ago. I, it feels like yeah, and I think even as we said at the time, he felt like he was from a different show. Yeah, and he still feels like it's like how Saved by the Bell was originally Good Morning Miss Bliss, and there was like oh, a yeah. teacher, and it was all about that, and then she was just sort of written out of it, and the show abruptly changed tones to be about these cool ass kids, right? And I, it feels it feels like like Sir Larry is the Miss Bliss of this show. <laughs> The show was originally called Larry Improvement or or Magic Improvement or something, but then they decided, no, we need to do the family instead. I'm pretty sure in the history of Home Improvement fans, listeners, watchers, you and I are the only two people who have given Sir Larry a thought beyond his screen time. I'm pretty sure the actor who played Sir Larry yes. thought less about his time on Home Improvement than we have. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But he still resides in my heart. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's, I you, keep him in a little trunk inside my heart, <laughs> wrapped up in chains, and I'll never tell his brother where he is. Uh, his son is what I meant. Yes, his son, who's also knighted, correct? Sir... Sir Al Borland. Sir Jerry. Oh, it's yes. Not, we yeah. haven't uh, verified whether or not Al is actually Sir Larry's son. Yeah. It's like a soap opera, this, this, these <laughs> crazy, crazy webs we weave. Oh, and wait till I, I gotta, I got I got one for this episode. Oh, okay. Well then let's, let's move, let's move on. Let's, let's keep going on. forward. So Tim surprises Jill with the romantic reservations mm-hmm. in a very sweet way, talking about how, oh man, it would be so great if we yeah. had these reservations. It really knocks this one out of the park. Yeah. Just really well done. I remember even as a kid when I was watching this, it was like, wow, good for you to, this is what a good husband does. <laughs> like I actually learned from this, uh, so we're surprised her with these reservations. She's so psyched, can't wait for it. And then we transition to the set of Tool Time with yet another transition that I am at a loss to describe. It's sort of like, <laughs> all I can say is that a bunch of spinning particles start to crowd the screen and they spin around and around and around and they kind of glom onto each other and grow, grow, grow larger and larger and kind of all grow together 
to bring us to the set of Home Improvement. What was that apropos of? I didn't even understand what it connected to. I think because because what it transitions to is uh, we're close on on Al shooting a fire extinguisher right. at a smoldering what have you. And so I think it's supposed to represent the gas from the fire extinguisher blowing around. It's not... God, they're like going memento with it. They're going backwards in time. It's really... It's We are, we are really past the event horizon with, with these... Uh, with these with these transitions. Uh, there's seven more seasons. Time is gonna just fold in on itself <laughs> at some point. One of these one of these transitions will destroy the earth. We will get sucked into the TV. Maybe. We talked last week that, you know, I don't remember anything past season one of this show, so maybe it's kind of like the expanding and retracting universe that after season one, it just plays in reverse and then goes back and <laughs> plays through episode one again. Oh man, you're you're scaring me, dude. <laughs> uh we get to the set of home improvement. Yes. Uh Al is spraying a fire extinguisher on what I guess was a trailer hitch. Yeah, I think so because they were. Uh, he was Tim was using the chrome polisher or something like that. To... Yeah, and I get and and so Tim has somehow managed to, to set a trailer hitch on fire. Al finishes blowing the soot, turns around or blowing the fire extinguisher. He turns around and his face is covered in black soot, yeah. and he is very unhappy with Tim. Which, not to interrupt here, but no, no, no. I've noticed a trend between last week and this week where uh, last week we started the episode with Tim's foot already stuck in the compound yeah. and the, him and Al kind of fighting about it. And this one, we start with Al's you know face looking like a bomb exploded in yeah. his hands in a cartoon. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm curious if they're going to go in this direction of the, the big cartoony event happening just before or after um, the, we enter or exit the scene. I, and I, I, I kind of like it. It, it feels... It, yeah, it just feels less hacky when you're there seeing the results of it. It's kind of yeah. like the space between the notes is right. just as important. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in music. And I feel like they can sell more that way. Like they can, yeah. you know, it, trying to pull off some big special effects and having the acting have to do it. Like there's no scenario that would have sold me on a big smoke cloud and then Al's face being covered in soot. Yeah. But cutting to it from nothing made me just, you know, uh, accept it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like it. It's, uh, they've, they've refined their Tim is a klutz pratfalls to, yeah. to a whole new level. Uh, so they announced that this is the, uh, tool time salute to camping week. Mm-hmm. Mr. Binford comes on dressed head to toe in his battery operated get up. And, <laughs> and yeah, and, and, and this whole, this whole str- really forced, Setup transpires yeah. where Tim set, mentions offhand that he and his family like camping, and then Mr. Binford uses that yeah. to on the air say, "Why don't you go camping, take some home movies, and show them on the air next week?" And it's just like, and then he rallies the audience, like, yeah. "Wouldn't you like to see that audience?" Yeah, and and, and the, more, who in history ever has been so excited about the prospect of watching someone's home movies? <laughs> That they stand up and cheer. Like, well, put an applause sign in front of anybody and you're going to get some sort of reaction. I, I guess. Well, then that means the producers were finally on the ball and actually <laughs> operating the switches on this episode. Yeah, I, I don't understand. Well, I mean, I do understand. Like, they had to find a way to get them on there. Yeah. This would work better in, in if this was shot today where it's like, you know, well, hey, wh- who would like it if Tim goes camping and live streams the whole thing on Twitch or yeah, on, right. on Snapchat or or Instabook or whatever the or, or Spotify or <laughs> or uh, Find My Mac or uh, you know or StubHub yeah, on Tinder? He just puts the whole thing he puts the whole thing up there on Grinder for everyone to watch. 
Uh, it would work better today with today's technology, yeah. but this whole thing is predicated on you have to go camping this weekend and take home movies of it that you can show next week. It's not a thing that you can that can wait one week. Right. Well, and and to not to belabor a point, but what's interesting to me is Mr. Binford's um, insistence that it be Tim says something there about his like uh, seeing something in Tim as a connection to sell the Binford line. There's something there that is like kind of unspoken. We haven't quite uncovered yet. Well, I mean, Mr. Binford even says to him, you know, when Tim is trying to beg off of this backstage, well, first, first Al makes a total baller move. I mean, Tim, Tim is saying, I've got plans with my wife yeah. for Valentine's Day, I can't do it. And Al says, well, well, why don't you, why don't you let me go in Tim's place and I'll take the home movies? Which is like, wow, Al, Tim just set your face on fire <laughs> and you're still stepping up for him. Mr. Binford says no one wants to see a bachelor in the woods talking to himself, yeah. which... You know, it's when I do go camping. That's yeah, well, and like. also uh, the Discovery show, Man vs. Wild. <laughs> <laughs> With the host of whose name I will not refer to. Oh, <laughs> wait, no, that's not... Well, okay, there's Survivor Man with Les Stroud. No, that's... Yeah, not him. Yeah, I know. I know. We're not going to say Ursine Grillis, but... Uh, <laughs> no, but I think Survivor Man is way more what Al going camping with a video camera would be. Like, have you watched Survivor Man at all? No, I have not. Okay, because Man vs. Wild is extreme, hollow out, a, a, like, a duck carcass and ride it across a pond <laughs> and, like, and, and strangle a deer with, with a, some tree With its own intestines. And yeah. Survivor Man... Like and that like a lot of a lot of man versus wild is kind of set up. Survivor man was just this this dorky Canadian survival expert who would just go out in the wilderness with a camera and like for and he just survived for a week with no supplies. And so a lot of the show is just kind of him like sitting in like a crude lean to in the rain, just going like, "Well, I caught a rabbit two days ago and ate it, and I'm still pretty hungry. Haven't found anything else." Five days till the helicopter gets here. And it really is just a bachelor talking to himself in the woods. It, it, there's probably a lot more, like, useful survival tips in it. Like, yeah. what you can eat, what you get, like, really practical stuff. But hence, it, hence it being the more Al Borland of the shows. It absolutely Whereas is. Man vs. Wild is the more power Tim Allen version, or Tim Taylor yeah. version. Man vs. Wild would be, yeah, it would be Tim's show if only every episode ended with him not being able to make it to the evac point And they have to, like, come rescue him. Yeah. So that, just a quick aside about yep. what a bachelor talking to himself in the woods really looks like. Okay. Mr. Binford, there is an audience for that. Um, but anyway, Mr. Binford says to Tim, uh, Tim, you know you're the finest salesman I've ever had, which that okay. in itself suggests that's how he got the job. He's yeah. worked with Binford for a while. It's so Tim whole... started as a salesman and worked his way into a television show. Yeah, okay. into, into a position that he's not qualified for, just like Michael Scott. A good salesman is not necessarily better than anything else. A reference we've made 8,000 times on this show. And 8,000 more times <laughs> seven more seasons. Uh, is it woke, though? <laughs> Tim, you know you're the finest salesman I've ever had. That's why you're the host of the show. You're kind of the son I never had. I'd trade all six of my daughters for one of you. Hmm. So for all that speculation about him being his son... This card's actually being played, and it's after it's after Mr. Binford says this to Tim that Tim agrees to go. Mm -hmm. It's not... This is when Tim decides, okay, I'm going to royally piss off my wife, is when he plays the whole, you're like family to me card. Right. So there might be uh, some loyalty there. There's a okay. lot about Mr. Yeah. Binford and Tim that, that we don't know. It's, yeah, right. 
a lot of that iceberg beneath the surface. Right. Well, we haven't really uh, heard anything about Tim's parents as of yet on the show. No. Uh, so, I guess does this put to rest the the idea that Tim was hired through nepotism, i.e., that he is a heir to the Binford line? I mean, I guess he's not an heir to the Binford line. An adopted heir. Could be an. Ad- I would say definitely an adopted heir. I mean, clearly there is a connection. I mean, well, yeah, he said himself he's like the son he never had. Yeah. But I, so that kind of refutes. There's no blood, no Binford blood in Tim Taylor. That we know of. I mean, look, these these people could all be lying also. They could retcon it in a later season, you know. (laughs) Uh, We did skip over a point I just want to kind of bring in, that we get a performance from Lisa, uh, way more lines than she's ever had before. She's kind of just spewing the techno babble about the suit yeah, that yeah. Mr. Binford's wearing. Yeah. Um, She's not even on screen for these lines. Yeah. Pamela Anderson is saying all these things. And the camera is lovingly panning over the like 50 year old man <laughs> in, in fishing yeah. waders. He's totally one uh, upstaging her by standing in front of her, kind of eclipsing her in the shot. Um, yeah. She's wearing those pink overalls again, which at this point, seeing how, um, controlling Mr. Binford is, I have to imagine that he kind of mandated it. But again, you know, he, if it's her thing, more power to her, but I, I know I feel like he has an overalls fetish. <laughs> he's he's into uh, overall core uh, stuff. He goes to overall clubs, oh, denim man. daddy they call it. <laughs> now I can't think of any more jokes about yep. people having overall. Fetishes. Nor should you. Um, I might come up with some later. I'll interrupt a really insightful point you're making. Right. Blurt out new names for overall uh, <laughs> stuff. Uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of the gist of that that whole scene there. Yeah, so so. Tim then returns home with yeah. this news. Which, this is this is the point that I was making about the Three's Company thing, where it's yeah. like, this could have been solved in less than five minutes if he just played the episode for Jill. I, the argument could still be made by Jill to go, well, why didn't you stand up to him and say no? Yeah. But at a certain point, I feel like there's a certain amount of understanding she would have to have for, for job loyalty and security and... Yeah. Um, like he's mandating it. What can I do? I'm in a position here. Yeah. Jill, you don't have a job. Tool time is what <laughs> allows a, that's you. A, that's a whole other episode. Well, if you pulled that card. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm just saying it's like, do you, oh, do, do you like having the nice bathroom? Do you like this like massive house of, of uncertain dimensions that we can have our three children in? <laughs> yeah. Like you do you like barrels of jet fuel. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you like all the money? Do you like this money? Then maybe we have to skip our Valentine's Day trip so I can keep bringing in that, that yeah. fat 90s cheddar. Yeah. And one, he did say he uh, promised a bonus. So, yeah. you know, there yeah. is like financial gain. At least they're not losing money on not going to Stone Creek. They probably get to keep the camping equipment. Yeah, exactly. I Seems mean, Tim has tons of Binford stuff. So Yeah, yeah. Why, why not? So yeah, we go home to him giving this news to Jill. Also, Jenny Zdarsky is there yeah. at the house. Uh, wearing a beret. Yeah, we got to talk about the beret. I mean, the whole outfit. Uh, again, you know, it's it feels like low-hanging fruit to make fun of 90s fashion, but she's really rocking a Jordache jacket <laughs> and I, a beret. I, I couldn't even see what else she was wearing because I was just laser-focused on that beret. When was the last time I've seen a woman wearing a beret and not, like, <laughs> at a Halloween party dressed as a mime? <laughs> uh, I don't know, but that, that was... It was quite the wardrobe choice. Do you think... Maybe, maybe, do you think there's a mime fetish that's like the overalls fetish, like guys who are in, in like, mime core, or, I don't know if adding core I'm, to the end denotes a fetish. Uh, uh, mime files. Mime file, that's it. <laughs> the mime files, which is also a 90s sci-fi horror TV show about two very silent, uh, uh, investigators <laughs> who, who, who are trying to figure out how to get out of the glass box they're in. They're, they're trying to find out where this rope leads. 
<laughs> so many conspiracies. I can't think of any other mime routines besides those two. Uh, flowers, walking in oh, slow motion. Yes, yeah, yeah, um, walking into the wind. Uh, being sad that someone's walking away from them. Or is that actually, is that not part of the performance? Is it, I, I think, I think that's, that's their, the, the, uh, the mime persona is cracking and their <laughs> true sadness. And this is the art form I chose to get good at, this. Yeah, one thing I noticed in this scene uh, so, well, let's just finish the Brad and Jenny yeah, part, yeah, let's not which is that uh, Brad decides not to give her the Valentine. Yes. And Jenny, he promises, I'll give it to you on Monday, yeah. and it'll be a good one, I swear. Which is the excuse that I give to my boss when I have not completed a project on time <laughs> so frequently. Yes, I still have homework that I haven't turned in yet. Um, <laughs> I didn't say which Monday it would be. Exactly. So... Jill as like she's panicked. He's like, "Why didn't you give her the?" After Jenny leaves, yeah, uh, he's like, and he goes, uh, "You know, I can't remember the kid's name." Yeah, but some other kid. Some kid at school gave her a, a, a Valentine, and it was handmade, and it was awesome. And I, yeah. you know, can't give her a GI Joe one after that. Yeah. Um. Well, and then and then Jill says, "Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you the Valentine. I'm gonna help you make the right Valentine." Well, yeah. She she suggests, "Why don't you make one?" He's like, "I'm not good at that kind of stuff, mom." Yeah. And she's like, "Well, I am." So then uh, that's she, my Jill impression. It's that, spot on. It's um, yeah, I, you know, I, it might be better than mine. <laughs> uh, it's a little less southern, but it's, uh, true. Which so it's probably worse, but it's also <laughs> less offensive to Patricia Richardson. Uh, <laughs> so she, but then Jill sets to just making this Valentine for Brad while mm-hmm. Brad goes upstairs, and then later Tim helps him or like basically writes the poem that yeah. he puts on it. So Brad has done nothing. Like, Brad's parents really Seriously. want him to be in this relationship. He's putting in no work. <laughs> uh, which, what kind of values is that telling him about uh, future relationships? That, that that you should just let your mom and dad do he's gonna He's going to find someone who's nurturing and is going to do everything for him. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. That, yeah that, I, I just, I want to say I fear for future Mrs. Taylor. I do, too. I feel like... Yeah, well, I mean, the current Mrs. Taylor is already dealing with enough, and I feel like (laughs) Brad is just a copy of a copy of a copy. It just gets worse and worse, (laughs) as we learned in Multiplicity. Oh, my God. So, but one thing I noticed in this scene, uh, as you were doing the grunt tally... Yes. The grunts in this episode really gave you a challenge. There were... He did some weird grunts. Yeah. like like most of there were eight grunts in this episode, and I also we've we've been lax on our series grunt count the last couple, but we're up to two hundred and seventy two. Wow, how many in this one? Uh, there were eight in this episode. Eight in this episode, and last week was three. The series low. Yes, the series low. This is about on average. There's yeah. usually seven to eight grunts Five, per yeah, episode. Right. But a bunch of the grunts in this were just him like uh, they're they're singing some camp song on their way to the campsite, right. and he grunts the last few lyrics. But there were a few up front when he and Jill are talking about going to this. To, to the Stone Creek Lodge, and he, you know, talking about whatever romantic stuff they're going to do, and he just goes, (laughs) he does a long, it's very undulating, and you've stated in the past that a grunt uh, constitutes uh, being the start of a grunt. Yes. So it has to go, in order for it to be multiple grunts. They have to be separated, So when you go, what is that? That what you know what that is? That's a guy playing with my carefully constructed system, <laughs> and I don't appreciate it, Tim Allen. I know you didn't know even what podcasting was uh, when you did that oh grunt, but you really were making my life difficult. Twenty five years later, so that's the that's, that's that's grunting. Yeah, that's that is that is this week's grunt work. We have literally done the work. I uh, I do. So this is the scene where I have my my big theory. Yeah, give of this me, episode. Give me your theory. So. When Tim poses this uh, 
idea that he's like, listen, I think we can do both. We can do Stone Creek Lodge and we can satisfy Mr. Binford's requirements. Wilson knows of this area called Crystal Lake. Now, I, I haven't really admitted on this podcast before, not that it's something to admit, but... It's a uh, dark secret. <laughs> I'm a huge horror fan. I love horror movies. Uh, and I love the Friday the 13th series. Crystal Lake is clearly the birthplace of Jason. The thing about Jason... Uh, spoiler alert, if anyone hasn't seen the movies and want to, uh, this is your warning. The first movie turns out to be Jason's mother as the killer. Jason's not even in the movie. Yeah. Oh, until that, like, that jump scare at the very end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then Jason comes in for the other ones. Throughout the entire franchise, we never learn who Jason's father is. Oh. So you're saying Jason's father is God. <laughs> it's the Immaculate Conception. <laughs> that would kind of explain Jason's immortality, his supernatural powers. Jason starts with a J. Jesus starts with a J. Whoa. Jesus. <laughs> that that is the, that is the next bit. He's taken Manhattan. He's gone up against Freddy. Yep. Uh, and now it's uh, Jason dies for three days and comes back to save us all. Uh, Isn't that what he's doing in every every movie? Though he is well, dying for our sins. He kills the sinners. Yeah. Yeah. And then dies. It's a strong moral lesson every episode. Mm, there's something to this. This is this is one of our most potent and powerful series. <laughs> Well, I, I gotta say, just Wilson recommending Crystal Lake Campground, I yeah. mean, you'd think one of the boys would have seen Friday the 13th and right. be like, Dad, that's a bad idea. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't exist in uh, the, the home improvement universe because, uh, you know, they've already, clearly they're horror fans with movies like Bayonet Hell and Fang Woman and Bury Me Again, which aren't real movies. Yeah. Uh, but Sound of the Music is. Yeah. Bayonet Heaven? Where's that movie? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Crystal Lake Campground, yeah, is where is where they go to, and I, yeah, I think that's that's a very viable yeah, theory. That's, that's like the it. whole. That's the long and short of the theory. Yeah. I'm putting it in the listeners' hands now. If you want to draw more conclusions, you find some more evidence. Go for it. Yeah, draw, draw away. We, it's it's all you. <laughs> um, but so, that takes us to the camping ground by way of a transition in which the image on screen folds into a bird. And then the bird's wings flaps, and it flies away, revealing an indoor soundstage that has been fairly expertly dressed to look like yeah. a snowy, this, wooded area. I can see why they didn't have the special effect on Tool Time that they just cut to the After Effects, because they spent their budget creating an entire outdoor winter set here. A, a winter wonderland, if you will. Or more <laughs> like a winter blunderland, because Tim makes a lot of mistakes. Oh, jeez. Uh, and also, speaking of blunders... One point, he and Wilson are sitting talking, and you can see underneath Wilson's foot that the, the snow—the snow is just carpeting. It's like <laughs> studio things, carpeting. Yeah. It's like designed to look like snow. But yeah. You can see like the fold of it coming up under his foot. Yeah, I missed that. So the entire episode ruined. <laughs> seven thumbs down. Worst episode of Home Improvement ever. Well, I got a lot of stuff for Wilson when we get there, but yeah, there, um, yeah. there, there's a scene and a half kind of before that where they kind of. Uh, well, as soon as they stepped foot outside, mm. that's where I started sweating, not only because it's freaking hot in this room, but yeah. because I was worried that like a bear was going to walk through the scene at any given moment. Uh, not that there are many bears in Michigan. There are a few. Or, or bears on sound stages in Los Angeles. <laughs> you never know. There there could be. I've seen, I've seen a thing or two. 
Yeah, you've seen a thing or two. On TV? I saw the TVs before. Yeah. Where there were animals on it. Yeah, and, okay, well, I mean, I can't argue with, with logic like that. That's that's powerful. I keep it broad so it holds up in court. Yeah, they're, they're, they're out there. And, yeah, there's a few scenes where it's just, uh, they try to set up the tent. Yeah. That doesn't go well. Clearly. It's complicated. Yeah, Jill's reading off instructions to Tim on how to set up this new Binford tent, and there's, like, a million poles, and yeah. Tim's giving a bit of, you know, comedy business with trying to unfold the poles, and they're flinging everywhere. And, yeah. Uh, uh, it felt a little contrived, but you know. R- Randy tells Mark that if they run out of food, they'll eat the youngest. Yeah, that was a that was another uh, tally in the the Randy is a psychopath category. Yeah, certainly. Let's just straight up, you know, Hannibal the cannibal. Yeah. Uh, right there. Yeah, exactly. Or that or Donner Party stuff. I guess. Well, here's the question: If pushed, do you think Randy actually would try human? Would Randy try? Like, if how hard would he have to be pushed? Like, is this a Donner Party situation? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that w- were it that where they were like there were a bunch of dead people and they had to survive, like Tim would be like, "Well, Jill, I mean, there's Wilson's body," and then and then Randy would be like, "I'll go first. I'll try it." I, and I think- then oddly, Wilson's body feeds them all for forty days and forty nights. I'm really mixing the stories. No, but I like it though. And then and then ever after, it, it's like they they make like. Like uh, menorahs that look like Wilson's prone form with like a whole with like a whole bunch of candle holders on them. <laughs> okay, what religion haven't we insulted on this podcast? Have we um, talked? Have we have we hit Islam yet? We got to figure. Not, not yet, but we, I don't okay. want to yeah, bring we, up any red flags. Yeah, yeah we, we don't want to do that. We also have to would have to learn something about their traditions in order to, to mock them. So okay, you guys are safe from our ignorance, but. Uh, yeah, I think Randy would be a cannibal, though, given yeah, the chance. Push I comes think so. to shove. Also, Tim is wearing a pair of battery-powered electrical socks. Yeah, I was really curious. I mean, was this introduced in the Binford line earlier in the episode, or was electric socks actually a thing? Uh, it was, like, the whole idea with the Binford line w- that, that Mr. Binford is wearing is that all of this is battery-powered and, and intended to keep you warm that like an electric That makes way blanket. more sense, and I feel a little stupid for asking that as a question now. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, look, electric socks... Are, I'm pretty sure a dumb idea. That's probably one of the dumber ones, especially because Tim, when f- fooling around with the tent poles, hits the battery somehow, and then they short circuit immediately, and yeah. his his feet catch on fire, <clears throat> uh, and then he has to go running off screaming. Yeah, which I guess resolves okay because then he makes it through the rest of the episode without grievous foot burns. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, it has to go through denim, which I think uh, it probably doesn't burn that quickly. Yeah. Maybe. Let's try it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, neither of us are wearing jeans right now, but... Uh, I, I'm wearing denim, denim shorts. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, um, we'll get some overalls, set them on fire. I'm sure that's part of the fetish. <laughs> Is this part of your fetish? Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Overfiles. Over... <laughs> uh, but, okay, so the main, like, plot point in this whole scene is that, uh, you know, they've set everything up, they need to start cooking... Uh, and Tim has lost the car, which has the food in it. Yeah, yeah. He goes, the boys are talking about how hungry they are. Oh, Dad has gone to get the food from the car. Mm-hmm. Tim comes back, and they're like, where's the food? And he's like, well, I, you know, I got halfway there, and then I thought, you know, you, you, what, what if you guys, like, you guys need to learn some survival skills. You yeah. need to learn Let's how to... some eat. wilderness training. Yeah. And then I'm trying, I'm trying to remember, but then one of them says something like... It was one of my favorite lines. Yeah. So, but, like, Randy asks, well, where's the car? And Tim's like, well, let's start with that. Where do, where do you think the car is? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like one of those really great deliveries that yeah. uh, shows the growth of the character in terms of the audience understanding of it. Because mm-hmm. that joke wouldn't have flown in the pilot episode where you don't understand Tim's stuff. So they're yeah. able to play with that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, I just that was my favorite line. I know. I, I I enjoyed that a lot too. That gave me a, they gave me a good laugh. Uh, so he's yeah he's forgotten where the food is. He reveals this to Jill, uh, and Jill does not take it well. Jill has set up the the campfire. Yeah, in Jill the has shown like massive survival skills here. She set up the campsite her entire self. Yeah. Set up the tent by herself. I'm assuming because Tim clearly didn't have a grasp yeah, over it yeah. in the previous scene. Uh, she's even she's like nested in this whole little area here. She's got the flames going on the the fire pit, and uh, she's sitting like warming herself. Yeah, yeah. And so Tim tells her that he doesn't know where the car is. She mm-hmm. gets pretty angry about this. Yeah, super mad. And uh, they, and they have they have a fight just about this whole thing that he's taken around here, like the, that their whole plan of. We're just going to quickly get some videos and then drop the kids off and then go to this thing. This whole plan is falling apart. It looks like they'll never make it to the lodge. So Tim goes off in search of the car. And, in ex- and well, there's a footprint transition where a bunch of footprints track yeah. across the screen. And then one of them uh, rotates 90 degrees and fills up the entire screen and taking us to the next scene. And... Uh, Tim bumps into Wilson in yeah. the woods. Wil- that was a that was a that was the biggest moment for me where I'm like, is that a bear in the woods? Because uh, Wilson kind of emerges from the background as just kind of a blur a blob, and turns out to be the opposite of a bear. If you walk into your kitchen in the middle of the night and you see like a shadow playing against the wall, do you think it's a bear? <laughs> no, I'm not that that insane. Okay, but I have looked in my backyard uh, back in my childhood home and saw uh, my next door neighbor's dog, which was a huge furry thing and thought it was a bear okay okay and froze up okay that's sufficiently that's sufficiently embarrassing that is good enough for an anecdote (laughs) so wilson is out there he's wearing a parka that covers the lower half of his face art surprise surprise yeah Yeah. um i do have a few questions for you yeah yeah, no ask me some questions so uh initially i was going to ask you about the collar of this coat and how many coats do you think the wardrobe department had to go through before they found one? Yeah. And then I realized, oh, they just altered the coat. Mm-hmm. That's why he's wearing a scarf in addition to it to kind of cover up oh, the, where they the, stitched the... The, the extra collar to it. Um, so here, here are my two questions to you. First, do you think Tim has ever seen Wilson's face? Uh, man, I'm going to say no. I don't think he has... And I don't think it's ever occurred to him that he hasn't. Mm, that was going to be my follow-up, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, because they never seem to mention it. Yeah, and it's always just treated as a joke. But then, I, but there's a subsequent episode. There is an episode I know where they go over for dinner at Wilson's place, and they're playing around with like, oh, the top of his face is covered, but not the bottom of it. Right. So they had to have seen it. I, at they some probably, point. yeah. Actually, yeah, Tim probably has seen his whole. Yeah. Thing. I mean, do you feel differently from that? No, I was just. It occurred to me. I'm like, I, I wonder if you know, you know. From Tim's perspective, which is basically what the camera is for all yeah. intents and purposes, uh, he's never seen it, through the show at least. Uh, I'm just curious if he's seen it in real life. I'm sure he has. We've we've told the story on here about the genesis for Wilson, right? Like like where Wilson in the show. Yeah, he comes from uh, Tim's childhood neighbor. Yeah. Uh, growing up, that he was never Tim was never Tim Allen was never uh, tall enough to see over the fence to see his full neighbor's face. Yeah, uh, neighbor's full face. Yeah. Um, His full neighbor, always eating all the half neighbors he had were yeah. weird. You know, he could see Those all those hobbits. Them. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So my second question to you: This is the first time we get a Wilson scene, uh, minus the Santa Claus episode, yeah, yeah. Uh, where we get like a full like confessional uh, advice giving scene. Yeah. Do you think anything was lost with the the absence of the fence? I don't know. Um, 
I think, honestly, I think the advice still holds up. And if mm-hmm. anything, Wilson is even more helpful than normal because he helps Tim find his car. <laughs> right. Uh, I, I, no, I think that, if, if anything, I think if they took down the fence in the backyard, Tim's marriage would be in just better shape. Like, I think the fence is really, it's filtering out a lot of Wilson's best wisdom. Because mm-hmm. Tim takes Wilson's wisdom back and, and handles it perfectly, whereas a lot of other episodes... With the fence there, Tim only gets half of it right and kind of oh. screws it up. So I think. So are you saying like the fence uh, in other episodes has some sort of psychological effect where it actually obscures his ability to retain the words that he can't see Wilson's mouth say? Uh, yes, I, I think that the fence is a kind of psychological barrier. I also think it's a literal barrier. <laughs> what my big takeaway from the Wilson scene, he says. Uh, I parked my truck right behind your car. Yeah. Wilson drives a truck. Wilson drives a truck. God drives a, a truck. That was a, my exact note, too. I just, you know, I, we didn't know this before, and now we do. Mm-hmm. I want to know what Wilson's truck looks like. Uh, I have to imagine it's probably one of the first, like, Model Ts where it still has yeah, a hand crank in the front. <laughs> well, Tim, I just feel like you get closer to the machine when you have to physically crank it up yourself. Uh, either that or he's built one himself that runs off of animal blood. Yes. <laughs> And he's built it out of animal parts. Yeah, it's just a bone truck. Because we only see all the skins that he has. And he obviously eats the meat. So what does he do with the bones? He either has a huge bone graveyard in his basement. Or he uses them to build uh, vehicles. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, in high school, uh, I called my car the bone truck. If you know what I mean. <laughs> and uh, then no, I, called, that a little bit. I called the futon in my basement the bone graveyard. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. We didn't have a basement, uh, and I didn't have sex in high school. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so with this advice from yeah. Wilson that you're trying to go in too many directions at once, mm-hmm. you've got to just, you got to just, you know, pick one thing. You don't try and go camping and go on a romantic weekend at the same time. Just choose one or the other. So, Tim, but that's like that's not the answer. I guess it's like the immediate answer, but that's not the answer to the situation posed at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, it's like Tim didn't have a choice. No, not at Technically. all. Technically. No, he, he really didn't. It's that Tim, I think the, the moral is Tim, when his boss foisted this on him, Tim should have just gone full bore on camping and not even tried to rush through and right. get to the lodge. Or stuck to his guns and told his boss, no, one of the two. Yeah. I see yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm with you. Uh, Wilson gives Tim this whole spiel about a deer in the headlights and mm-hmm. freezing up. The deer didn't go anywhere, didn't want to go left, didn't want to go right. right. Tim, in the same way, has gone nowhere because he's he's made no choice. Sure. And instead of getting hit by a car, he gets dragged by a car. Yes, because then yeah, in the next scene, Wilson has led Tim back to his car. Tim has taken the wire tied to the car. Yeah, he's brought himself. some fishing line to tie it to the bumper of his car. Yeah. He moved the car uh, to Onto a, a hill. steep hill. <laughs> uh, classic Tim. Uh, and then has tied the fishing line to the bumper and has kind of breadcrumbed his way back to the camping site. Yeah. He's like, we're not going to lose it again. I'm going to tie this fishing line to my, my ankle, so we'll be with us at any time. Mm-hmm. And, and he's, he's all ready to... to pick up and go and pack everything up and to hell with what the boss thinks. And and Jill, who has made this this hillbilly uh this hillbilly hot chocolate out of candy bar and the toothpaste yes. and the snow, all of which which made such an impression on me all those years ago, Jill reveals that now she's actually having a pretty good time. She and the boys have had kind of yeah. a nice moment and they're having fun. And she says, Well look, we're never gonna make it to the lodge in time anyway, let's just stay here. Tim says okay and they kiss and Tim likes this idea. And then she says, wait, did you put the parking brake on? And then, sure enough, Tim is dragged all the way up the hill and over the hill and, and away. And away he goes. 
Yep. And he uh, is out of here. I was actually surprised. Um, the outtake for this episode is the kind of prep, like Tim's lying in the snow. Yeah. Tim Allen's lying in the snow. I was surprised that he did his own stunt. Yeah, yeah. yeah you see his face come up into camera at the yeah. last second. I thought at first it was a mannequin that they were dragging, but then yeah, because he's lying there so still uh, while he's waiting for it to be pulled away. But taking a nap. Um, in in later seasons, you, I mean, they kind of make a joke out of uh, stunt people, like you know, uh, getting someone that kind of doesn't match to do mm. those things. Oh, okay, uh, that's why I was kind of surprised to see um, to see him do his own stunt here. Yeah, and yeah, that's kind of you know they they make up Tim and Jill kind of make up. She yeah. you know Randy in a weird. Turn of not randiness, uh, asks his mom, like, oh, you know, are you having a good time? Because I don't think he's really um, too aware of the the plight that Jill is going through here, yeah. missing out on Stone Creek Lodge. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Randy asks Jill, are you having a good time? And she kind of has a change of heart. You know, she's like, yeah, you know what? I was so focused on that other thing. Oh, wow. I just realized this, this moral works on two different levels here. So focused on this other thing that I, you know, didn't realize that I was having a good time here. This show has such depth. You don't even catch it all. This is why we have to do the podcast to appreciate every aspect of it. I, you know, the next time we go around, uh, on the second watch of all these episodes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but and yeah, so that kind of wraps up that, that whole, the camping trip, uh, escapades. Yeah. And then, and then just in the last little button, uh, Brad finally gives is uh the valentine jenny sadarsky yep she is impressed with made. it yes that the fa- that was made by everyone but him yeah and she reads the poem on it and i don't remember what but it was written by tim the last line yeah. is more power yeah exactly Some, something 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 forget about the other guy that gave you that thing I, the other valentine i've got more power yeah which you know, it, we really just have a poetic way with words here. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, this is why we, we cleaned up with the Valentine's back. <laughs> Last Valentine I wrote was, uh, you look, uh, placeholder, placeholder, yeah. um, something about roses here. L- Laura Mipsum is red. <laughs> Dolor Nesmith is blue. <laughs> As a web designer, I really appreciated that joke. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, uh, I know my audience, and it is the person sitting across the table. <laughs> Brad gives Jenny uh, the Valentine, mm-hmm. and um, I couldn't quite get a bead on the music that was playing during that moment. This weird, like, acoustic, like, yeah. it sounds like your dad's college friend brought his guitar over, his, like, Spanish guitar over. It's like, I got a few, I'm working on a new album of yeah. uh, classical Spanish yeah. serenades, you know. Anyway, here's Wonderwall. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was just a weird tone, but... Uh, Dot, dot, dot. Brad gets his first kiss. Yes. And has this totally awkward close-up look into the camera. <laughs> and then Tim and Jill both kiss as well. Yeah. Because Jill's, then, like, bursting at the seams over... Because they're kind of... They're watching in, yeah, in the shadows. Yeah, from the from the next room. Yeah. And, uh... Yeah, and, and so Tim and Jill kiss, and Jenny and Brad kiss. And then we find out that the executive producer was Carmen Finestra. That's, do. that's what we, that's and that's the moral of the story. <laughs> the moral of every episode is that it was executive produced by Carmen Finestra <laughs> and directed at least this first season by uh, that guy. It's a good thing you had the name ready on your computer. John Basquin saying that I knew that I knew his name. It just uh, I... the show notes for this week's episode, as always, will be posted uh, on our website, which is gruntworkpodcast.com. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please share it wherever you can. It really helps others find us. And remember, when you share us, we'll make a point of getting reservations for a romantic getaway with you. 
On our website, you can also uh, sign up for our weekly newsletter in order to get notifications whenever a new episode is released. Um, and we throw in whatever exclusive content we can find that week. I've been putting in the grunt count um, weekly and all time. Um, so, you know, you don't have to go searching for that. You don't have to scroll through, scrub the episode to find where we say the grunt count. I, I'm sh- and I'm sure many of you lay awake late at night wondering, like, oh, episode 16, they didn't say what the grunt count was. How am I supposed to sleep? <laughs> I supposed to eat. Um, you can also uh, find us in all the various social media places that the people go to, mm-hmm. uh, which is at GruntWorkPod, um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that fun stuff. Uh, and with that, Landon, you know what time it is. Uh, it's time to eat some yellow snow. The joke had to be made. They were talking about snow. Did it have to be made? Landon, did it have to be made? That's what you say. <laughs>